chowder. Oh, did y'all do that? Hell yeah. Crowder's one of my favorites. They just told me we don't have Crowder, we have Marty Chowder. So that'll, that'll work. Amen. I thank you so much for that. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Where we'll begin reading in just a moment. Thank you so much for making it a priority to be uh, in the house of the Lord today. And whether you're here in person or you've joined us online today, thank you so much for that. We appreciate every opportunity we have to share with you the Word of God because we believe that there's power in this book. Amen? There's power in it. It's God's Word. It's His Word to us, and we desperately need to hear Him. I'm speaking to you today on the subject of a dream that demanded a decision. If you found your place physically able, let's stand together, Daniel chapter 4. Just going to read the first three verses. I know you probably looked up the screen and saw 1 through 37 and had a mild panic attack there for a minute. Amen. But no, we're going to read the first three verses. But keep in mind, this entire chapter is in the same context, and we will walk through it together. But these first three verses lay the groundwork for us of what's going on in Nebuchadnezzar's life and how it affects mine and yours. Verses 1, 2, and 3, Daniel chapter 4. Notice what the Word of God says. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king, through all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God worked for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word and I thank you for every person that's given us the opportunity, whether in this building by way of the internet today to speak into their life the word of God that changes all of us. God, may you be glorified today and may you do your perfect work with your people and your preacher and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. A dream that demanded a decision. Well, thus far in our journey through the book of Daniel, I believe it'd be an understatement to say we've witnessed some pretty astounding events in the history of God's people after they were placed in exile in Babylon from their homeland of Judah. Daniel, along with his three closest companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have risen to levels of prominence. They've risen to levels of high leadership in the Babylonian Empire, and they've done so without compromising their core convictions. See, Daniel was used by God in chapter 2 to interpret the dream of this wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, which, you know, when he did so, it even led to his further advancement and his promotion in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But at the end of chapter 2, you remember there was a, a gap of time of about 20 years between the events of the ending of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. Chapter 3 opened, it seems as though Nebuchadnezzar had kind of forgotten what he had been told in the past. He had forgotten that Daniel had warned him that his kingdom would end and that others would end. But over that 20-year period, it seemed like he forgot because now he was erecting a golden image 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, placed in the plain of Dura outside of Babylon. And with that, he issued a decree that all people were to bow and worship this image when 
they heard a series of musical instruments playing together, or the scripture said in symphony. Well, all the people began to follow these rules. Everybody was submissive to the decree of Nebuchadnezzar except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, last week we talked about how they were thrown into the fiery furnace because of their disobedience to this decree, but thankfully God showed up, got in the fire with them, delivered them by his almighty power and gave them a testimony that still speaks to us thousands of years later. Chapter 3 ended with Nebuchadnezzar recognizing and acknowledging God's deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and then made it illegal to worship any other God other than the Most High God. Nebuchadnezzar was speaking the right words, but would he have a change of heart? Was he just talking the talk or was he ready to walk the walk? Was he ready to respond to God and to know him and serve him personally? Well, the answer to that question is not quite yet. And with seeing that he still was not responding right to God, we have to ask ourselves the question, is there any hope for such a king as wicked as Nebuchadnezzar? Well, from the end of chapter 3 to the beginning of chapter 4, we've got another gap. Remember, from chapter 2 to 3, there was about a 20-year gap. And from the end of chapter 3 to the beginning of chapter 4, there's about a 30-year gap. So there's a 50-year time period already has spanned during this 70 years of captivity. Nebuchadnezzar now, just like he did in chapter 2, he's experiencing a dream. But he seems to have forgotten the things that God had tried to teach him, but there were some things he remembered. See, the context of Nebuchadnezzar's second dream flows through the entire fourth chapter, and as we walk through this chapter, we're going to see how Nebuchadnezzar had to come to the end of himself before he could become to the beginning of God. So many times we see that in our world, and we see it right here in the Scripture. Notice with me, if you will, the first thing we see is that there was the glorification of the Lord. As he begins to talk about this dream, he gives glory to God. You see, chapter 4 unfolds by the Holy Spirit, who is the author and inspirer of all Scripture. The Holy Spirit is guiding Nebuchadnezzar to tell the story by giving us a picture of the end at the beginning. It's much like movies you watch sometimes. You'll see the movie come on. There will be some scenes that may not make much sense to you, but then you'll see it flash back and gives you just a small picture of the end at the beginning and then goes back and tells the story. That's kind of what's taking place right here. So as we look at the glorification of the Lord, I want you to notice a couple of things. The first thing I want you to notice is that Nebuchadnezzar was amazed at the wonder of God. You read that right there in those opening verses. He was one of the most wicked kings of all time. But now he's writing his own personal testimony. He wanted this story to be published so that all nations of the known world could read how God had touched him and changed his wicked heart. I've always said and believe and will continue to believe that when God touches a man, he has a story to tell that he can't keep to himself. And if it's a story you can keep to yourself, you have to wonder if God really was involved in it. Because when God gets in it, he's way too big to keep to yourself. 
See, you see, this same God who is able to reach down into the miry pits and, and, the, and save the poor and the lowly in this world today is the same God who can visit the palaces of kings and save the high and mighty. It doesn't matter whether you're in the gutter. It doesn't matter whether you're in the palace. Regardless of where you are, God's grace can reach you and change your life. Psalm 66 verse 16 says these words. The psalmist said, Come in here, all who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Oh, go tell it on the mountain. Amen. Somebody ought to testify today to say, Hey, I can just tell you what God has done for my soul, and he is awesome. See, Nebuchadnezzar had a story to tell. And this story he had to tell was one that the world needed to hear then and needs to hear today. But in order to understand and fully appreciate his story and his total praise to God, we got to go back and follow the journey with him. See, in order to really realize just what God did for him, we got to go back and see where he was before and where he is after. Notice with me, beginning in verse 4, we read about the description of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. See, these events and these verses take place at a very important time. It's a time of peace. It's a time of security in Babylon. Everything's going good. Everything's smooth, pretty unlike our world today. Uh, everything is well for Nebuchadnezzar, and it seems as though he's done well. Here's what the Scripture says. Nebuchadnezzar recalled at that time that he was at rest in his home and flourishing in his palace. He had declared himself to have reached the pinnacle of success. He had to learn the hard way, like many of us today, that his success was only due to the God of heaven having allowed him to have that success. See, we can still apply this same truth to 21st century life. See, whatever level of success that you or I may achieve in life is all due to the blessing of the Lord. It's not what you've got. It's not what you've done to earn it. It's not what you've done to gain it. It has nothing to do with that because all the blessings of this life will be left behind. We're not taking anything with us. I read the Old Testament. Job said this, Naked I came into this world. Naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're not taking anything out of here and whatever success we achieve is because of the blessing of God. Nebuchadnezzar had forgotten that. Notice with me, if you will, as we talk about this description, notice the effects of the dream beginning in verses 4 through 9. See, just as Nebuchadnezzar was boasting about his success, he fell asleep. He took a nap. And the dream that he experienced was one that would fill his heart with dread and terror. Here's what he said. He said, my dream made me afraid. It's right there in the text. He said, my dream troubled me. He was so troubled that you know what he did? He went back to his own conventional wisdom. He did just what he did when he had the first dream that troubled him in chapter 2. He went and called for his wise men. He called for his astrologers. He called for his soothsayers. He called for all of these important and supposedly intelligent people. And he called upon them for help. But guess what? 
They couldn't help before and they can't help now. But in verse 8, the Bible says these words. But at last, Daniel. Now think about that for a minute. Why didn't he start with Daniel? When he had this dream before and he called upon all these wise and intelligent people and they had no hope, it was Daniel that came before him and said these words. He said, nobody under heaven has the answer to the interpretation of your dream. Nobody does, but there is a God in heaven who has the answer, and we've got with him, and we've talked with him, and God has spoken into our life, and we're going to speak into your life. But if you're looking for answers on this side of heaven, you'll never find them. You've got to acknowledge the God of heaven to find direction for your life. Amen? No, he went, and he didn't start with Daniel, but here's what he did. He did like a lot of people in our culture, maybe even in this room today, he kept going to the wrong places in the search for the right answers. He went going to the places that were supposed to have all, and the people that had all the answers, they had none, but he was going the wrong place. He wanted the right answer, but if you want the right answer, you've got to go to the right place. We're often like Nebuchadnezzar. I see people do it all the time. They'll ask everybody else's opinion. They'll ask everybody else's take without considering what God wants. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, please don't miss this. Don't ever get to the point that you're looking for answers to spiritual problems by natural means. Don't look for the answers for what needs to take place even in your life, your home, this country by what you can find on the news channels or what you can find on Netflix or what you can find on the social media or what you can find on TikTok. Y'all ought to know I knew fancy words like that, right? TikTok. I tell you what, that's taking everybody over. And if people got into quarantine, they watch TikTok. I mean, that's where they get their theology from, I guess. But nevertheless, that's not where you need to get your answers. You need to get your answers from God. And that's the only place that gives the correct, right answer 100% of the time. Not only the effects, but notice something else about the dream. Notice the events that were in his dream, verses 10 through 18. It's amazing as you read through those verses. Let me just hit some of the high parts of that. Nebuchadnezzar begins to describe his dream, and he tells Daniel that he saw a very small tree. But over time, this tree grew very strong. It had healthy leaves. It bore a lot of fruit, and it provided plenty of food for all and the beasts of the field used the tree for shade, and the birds of the air dwelled in its branches. But in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar said there was, quote, a watcher, or, quote, a holy one coming down from heaven. See, the angel he saw coming down proclaimed that the tree that he saw that was strong and mighty, that provided food and shelter, would one day be cut down and only the stump would remain. The tree would appear to all to be dead and doomed, but life would remain in the stump and this tree would be given new life. But then the dream begins to turn its focus toward Nebuchadnezzar personally. Notice verse 16 is where Nebuchadnezzar realizes that the tree represents him. He realizes that God is talking directly and personally to him. Do you remember what it was like 
If you're a child of God today, the day God saved your wretched soul, do you remember what it's like when he spoke directly to your heart? Ever forgot that? I pray you don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget it. I was just sharing with the guys out here in between service about how, you know, how it's amazing how people sometimes begin to lose the wonder of what it means to be a child of God. I may have told y'all before if I did, forgive me, but I had this seminary professor one time. He'd come in and he had a big binder. And you could tell he had all of his notes and he had taught this class a bunch of times and, 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 and he would read a page and it would sound like, it was like watching paint dry. I'm telling you, it's bad. And, and he would read a page, monotone, da 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 you know, kind of like, you know, and, and, and people, and then he'd flip a page and he'd read monotone and he'd flip a page and he'd read monotone and flip a page. And we had a break one time, and, and a bathroom break or whatever, and I just went up to him, I said, sir, can you tell me when it happened? He said, what, when what happened? When did you lose it? Well, lose what? When did you lose your passion for the gospel? When did you lose the wonder of what it is to be a child of God? Where did you lose it? Because we got to go find it. I'd love to tell you that I got an A in the class. But I don't think I did. But it don't matter. I wanted to help because here's the deal. There's so many people today, especially in times of trouble and toil and trial, they begin to lose the wonder of what it means to be a child of God. They forget where they were when God called their name. Oh, friend, hear me. Don't ever forget where you were. Don't forget the peace that flooded your soul. Don't forget the forgiveness that became yours. Don't forget the glory that showed up. Don't forget what it was like when God called your name. Well, Nebuchadnezzar realizes this is getting personal. So he finishes his account of the dream by telling Daniel that God showed him in that dream that the tree, Nebuchadnezzar, would one day be given the heart of a beast and that that would last for seven years. And I don't know about you, but I can imagine fears gripping his soul by now. But then he closes by expressing confidence in Daniel's ability to make known to your interpretation. And he says this about Daniel. Now, this is good. But you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Hear me. A pagan king recognized that the Spirit of God was upon and within Daniel. There is an unbelieving world out here that is crying out for somebody to show them something different. Crying out for somebody to demonstrate what it means to be a follower of the Most High God. And if there's ever been a period in our life when we have the wonderful, glorious opportunity to shine the light of the gospel, it's now because it's darker than it's ever been. It's later than it's ever been. And whatever we've been waiting on, we need to stop waiting and get doing. We got to. We got to. He said, Daniel, you're able. He said, because God's all over you. Notice another truth with me, if you would, in verse 19 and following. Notice the explanation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
See, upon hearing the events of his dream, Daniel was faced with a grim responsibility <laughs> of telling him what God wanted him to know. Daniel knew, I'm fixing to have to go tell him something he ain't going to want to hear, but this is what God wants him to know, so i got to tell him. Well, when he does so, he begins to talk about the activity of his dream. And here's what he said. Daniel, the tree you saw in verse 20, in verse 22, he said, that tree is you. You're the, you're the one. Daniel said this. He said in verse 22, he said, you have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your domain to the end of the earth. Here's what Daniel is saying to Nebuchadnezzar that God has told him. Here's what Daniel's literally saying. Nebuchadnezzar, you own it all, but you're about to lose it all. Everything you've got, you're proud of, but you're about to lose every bit of it. What does that say to you and I today? Here's what it says. If we don't break from our sin, we will ultimately be broken by our sin. If we don't turn that sin over to God and let him forgive us, cleanse us, and make us whole, we'll be broken by the sin that we so closely cling to. Here's what Daniel was experiencing. He was experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. What every God-called preacher across the world experiences. He's experiencing what it's like to have to tell folks things you'd rather not. They're not popular. Oh, there's times in the ministry where we get the glorious privilege to preach on heaven. Anybody, is heaven getting, a, I mean, it's getting a whole lot closer, and it's looking a whole lot better. I mean, anybody excited about heaven? Let me try that one more time, Marty. I, I think, man, is, is anybody in this old wretched world excited about the fact that God's Son is preparing a place for us and that when we're with Him, we'll be ever be with the Lord. Is anybody excited about going to heaven? Amen. Now we're rocking. Amen. Yes. That's what it's all about. Heaven's not my goal. Heaven's already my home. I'm not working to get there. I'm going there because of what Jesus did on Calvary and my repentance and reception of him as my personal Lord and Savior. That's, I see people all the time, I'm just working to get to heaven. God help you. You're never going to get there that way. you got to come by the cross. Sometimes we get to talk about heaven, but you know, sometimes we have to warn you about hell. That's why cruel preacher talking about hell. That's so mean. He's just mean. He makes me nervous talking about hell. But if we believe it's real, based on this book, it is. And people are really going there. Based on this book, they are. Then it's not cruel to tell you about it. It's cruel to not tell you about it. Sometimes we get to talk about heaven. Sometimes we have to talk about hell. Sometimes we get to preach about the joyous of things of God, and other times we have to talk about judgment. Oh, I mean, preachers tell me I'm going to be judged one day. It's really going to happen. And if it's really going to happen, it's not cruel for me to tell you about it. It'd be cruel if I didn't. See, declaring God's word 
It's a weight on the heart of any true gospel preacher. The Old Testament prophets used to call their message, when they'd get a word from God, they called it the burden of the word of the Lord. And here's my question to 21st century Christians today. Here's my question to people in 2020. What happened to our burden? Where did we leave? Just like I asked the seminary professor, where did you lose your passion? I want to ask the church today, where did we lose our burden for lost people? We got to go get it back. I was thinking the other day, I remember in the year 2000, you know, we had Y2K. And I remember in the year 2010, in both of those ends, of the, ends and beginnings of those decades, a lot of churches that send out stuff like, you need to get your plans and your vision for 2020. <laughs> Nobody's looked like this. <laughs> Nobody's. Nobody said, man, we're diving toward pandemic. We're going to shut the country and have the world down. The churches are going to have to be closed and all this kind of stuff. We're going online exclusively for months and months. And then we're going to constantly deal with the fear of having to do it again. Nobody did that. But I'm here to tell you today that whether the church has to be online, whether the church has to be in the, in the park, whether the church has to be on the street corner, wherever the church is, wherever the church meets, wherever there's an opportunity to preach the gospel, I don't ever want to lose my burden for lost people. Never. And as much as lies within me, I want to help you not lose yours either. Amen. Is anybody still with me? All right, just checking. All right. Hey, I, like I told you, I spent nine weeks preaching to a cell phone. Y'all don't make me feel like I'm bad. <laughs> oh, man. Notice this. I told you the activity of the dream. Did I do that? I did that. That's right. Notice the advice of Daniel. Here's what Daniel did. He said in verse 27, he says, you need to, or you need to humble yourself. You need to turn from your sins. Here's what I'm saying to you today. You need to turn from your sins before your sin breaks you. And you need to humble yourself. Don't wait on God to do it. Don't wait on your wife to do it. Don't wait on your cousin to do it. Don't wait on nobody in your family to do it. You humble yourself. It is a personal responsibility and a personal spiritual discipline life of every Christian is to humble yourself. Here's what Wearsby said about it. He said, An understanding of God's plan imposes on the hearer the responsibility to do God's will. Oh, it gets deeper. To hear and understand the word but not obey it is to deceive ourselves into thinking we have grown spiritually when we are actually moving backward. That means you have a responsibility when you come to church, when you listen to the gospel, whether you're listening to a podcast, whether you're listening to a, a live sermon, a recorded sermon, wh wherever, when you read the Word of God, whatever influence the Word of God has on your life, you have a responsibility, friend, a very clear responsibility that you would hear and understand the Word of God and obey what it says. <laughs> I said this one time, God told me, he said, well, if I'm responsible for every sermon I hear and obey it one I huh? he said, I'm just going to come by every other week. <laughs> And I said, well, sir, are you a child of God? Yeah. A member of this church? Yeah. I said, well, you're responsible for the ones you lay out on, too. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, he didn't like that too much. But yeah, it's all right. 
Here's what Daniel was doing. He was calling for repentance. He wanted the king to not just change his mind. He wanted to experience a change of heart. He wanted him to acknowledge his sins. And from there, he wanted him to put his faith in the one true living God. See, Nebuchadnezzar knew this. He knew Daniel was speaking truth, but he still didn't do anything about it. Sometimes you'll come to a service like this, and others go to a service like this. You'll know that the preacher is speaking truth because he's using the authoritative word of God, but still do nothing about it. Listen, as I told you, you are responsible and accountable before God what you hear today. And here's what you can do. You can turn from your sin. You can humble yourself before the Lord, or you can choose to do nothing about it. But either way, I want you to know this. You're responsible for your response. Notice with me also, if you would, the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 28 and following. Daniel gave a pretty strong altar call there. He gave a pretty strong appeal for repentance. And you would think, based on the appeal that Daniel shared, that old Nebuchadnezzar would have found him an altar and got right with God. But you know what? He said, I just need a little time to think about it. It's not convenient for me now. So what happened during that time? Well, here's what happened. Judgment was delayed. And you'll find that in verses 28 through 30. God gave him a year. Now, if, you, if you've ever put God off and you've ever had God move on your heart to make a decision for him, regardless whether it's for salvation, service, or obedience, whatever, listen clearly on that too. God gave him a year to repent of his sins. But even a year later, you know what was going on in his heart? He was more prideful than he was before. You know what he probably thought? Daniel sure is foolish. <laughs> you know, I, I know he's got God on him, he's got God in him, but I don't know what he is thinking because this silly dream I had a year ago, it didn't mean anything. And it, if it really meant what Daniel said it meant, that God was going to judge me, if God was really going to do it, he had already done it. Wow. In verse 30, Nebuchadnezzar begins to survey his kingdom. He says, look at the kingdom. Listen to these words. I have built. Wow. Now, let's just think for a minute. He had a pretty, he had a pretty you know, swanky place there. His palace was only 630,000 square feet. Just a little larger than where you and I live, right? 630,000 square foot palace. Babylon was a city that had walls that were 40 feet across, 80 feet high. They extended for 15 miles. And there were 50 temples that were 600 feet high built in pyramid form. That's some kind of kingdom. Even for today, can you imagine in that day and time, he was the cock of the walk. He had it going on. But listen, just because the judgment had been delayed did not mean that judgment had been disregarded. Just because judgment had not come did not mean it would not come. And when there is a delay in judgment, it is often a further opportunity for people to repent. I can't tell you the times in ministry I've had people tell me, you know, if God was really going to punch me, he had already done it. But look what he's done. He's blessed me. I got all this stuff. So that means that God must be happy with me. It means I must be pleasing to God. It has nothing to do with it. I heard one of those prosperity preachers on TV one time say, the reason he knows that God is, uh, that he's 
in the will of God is because of the way God has blessed him materially. That is so sad. I've heard others say that if you're right with God, you'll never be broke, you'll never be sick. That is not the word of God. Sometimes you can be right in the middle of the will of God, be broke and sick. If you don't believe me, ask the apostle Paul. He said, I was shipwrecked, I was beaten, I was left for dead, got bit by a snake, ladies and gentlemen. He said, listen, all these things happened, and it happened when he was in the will of God. Just because God don't punish you today doesn't mean he won't if you don't repent. Judgment was delayed, but notice with me how judgment was delivered. While he was speaking, a voice came from heaven with this message. Now listen here. Here's what the Bible says. While the words were still in his mouth, while he was still bragging on himself, while he was still saying, look what I have built. While the words were still in his mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, the kingdom has departed from you. And what happened? Let's hear it. God gave him a year to get right. He didn't do it. And with one, within one hour, here's what happened to him. This mighty king was transformed to a savage beast. Now look, you're going to say, Brent, you believe this stuff. I mean, could this, oh, yes, sir, I do. Yes, sir, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Nebuchadnezzar about it because I'm going to tell you in a minute how he got there. You say, well, what if he's not there? Well, then the unbelievers can ask him. But nevertheless, so for the next seven years, here's what happened. He lived in the wild. He walked on all fours. He, he was covered with a long coat of hair. He grew nails like bird claws. That, that's gross. Amen? Look at it. Listen, he went from being the main man to a madman within one hour. So for seven years, he's a wild beast. He's not a king anymore. He's not bragging on himself. So why did God do that? I'll tell you why. Because often God has to strip a man, woman, person of everything of everything they're leaning on, everything they're propping on, everything they're holding on to, to cause them to repent and surrender to his lordship. Tony Evans said this on a national level. Let's look at it on a national level because God knows we need national revival. Here's what he said. This story is a reminder that the further a government drifts from God and seeks to become its own God, the more it sets itself up for political action from heaven from heavenly political action. Just because God has not intervened in this country doesn't mean he won't. Just because he has, maybe he's delaying it just long enough for us to repent. Before he delivers judgment, maybe he's giving us just a window of opportunity to get right with. So that takes us back, okay? Because I got to give you this at the end, or you'll get home and say, man, he didn't tell us how the whole thing ended. Oh, I got to. Remember back in verse 1, 2, and 3, I told you how Nebuchadnezzar opened by glorifying God. He was giving us a glimpse of the end at the beginning. I told you how he was amazed at the wonder of God. But now I want you to notice in verse 34 how he was in awe as he worshiped God. These verses are going to be on the screen, but I want you to notice a couple of things. For seven years, all Nebuchadnezzar looked down. 
But at the end of that time, he lifted his eyes to heaven. Oh, my goodness. This is worth the trip right here. He lifted his eyes to heaven. Just like the psalmist said in Psalm 122, verse 1, he says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar gives us a live picture of that. But isn't it amazing what God can do when people look up to him? Isn't it amazing how God can do that? Notice what Nebuchadnezzar said. He said, when I looked up to him, my understanding returned to me. When I got a fresh glimpse of God, I could understand again. Wow. And Daniel knew that his years of faithfulness had finally paid off. Daniel could see the transformation that took place in his life. And now this king, who only knew about Daniel's God, now he knows him as his God. <laughs> Y'all going to get home, you're going to be eating your chicken finger, and you're going to choke when you think about this, okay? We read about one of the most wicked kings in history, but by the end of chapter 4, based on what we see here, and based on what we read, we have to believe that when we get to heaven, he's going to be there. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty awesome, ain't it, Glenn? That God would do something like that. But how did he get him there? He had to take him to the gutter. He had to strip him of everything that was his. And he had to remind him of who he was. Wow. How can we apply that? Well, the Bible says as Christians were strangers and pilgrims. We often find ourselves surrounded by pagans. And here's why. Because those that don't know him don't need to just hear about him. They need to see the effects that he's had on you. They need to see that. And you know what kept, I believe, ringing in old Nebuchadnezzar's ears? There's nothing in the scripture that I can say to prove this. You have to use your sanctified imagination and, you know, bear with me for a minute. But can you imagine for seven years walking on all fours with the heart of a beast and all that coat and all them long fingernails and all this kind of stuff? Can you imagine that in Nebuchadnezzar's heart and mind, he kept hearing and seeing the testimony of Daniel? Golly. Don't ever give up you get rejected don't quit keep looking for the next opportunity be faithful because God is a God of breakthroughs here's what happens these last few verses verses 34 through 37 they give us our last glimpse in the life of Nebuchadnezzar we get to chapter 5 we're going to be talking about Darius and all these different things, the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar, and then Darius in chapter 6, and the lines being, it just gets gooder and gooder. But listen, the first time we saw Nebuchadnezzar, he was a proud, arrogant king. The last time we see him, he's humbled, repentant, and he's a follower of the Most High God. He's worshiping and praising God in those last few verses. As he returns to his kingdom, listen to what the Bible told us there. You've got to see this. You can't go home without seeing this. Look at those last few verses. Verse 36 says, At the same time my reason returned to me. Look here, not just his understanding, but his reason. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and my splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Do you know what he's saying? 
after this entire journey, God gave me back more than I ever had to start with. Wow. He's a restored, repentant people. And notice verse 37. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. Boy, he's giving glory to God. All whose works are truth and his ways are justice. But don't miss the last sentence. And those who walk in pride, he's able to put down. You see that? Those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Let me just say this to you. Nebuchadnezzar had more, owned more, and probably threw away more than me and you will ever see in a lifetime when God brought him down. And when we walk in pride, we put ourselves directly in the crosshairs of the judgment of God. Wow. Here's what it all boils down to, and I'm done. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and even though he disregarded, and God gave him delay, judgment was delivered, and it demanded a decision. Thank God he made the right one. But my question for you today is this is not about Nebuchadnezzar. This story is not in Scripture just so we can have some literature. This story is in Scripture for you to really think about what are you going to do? What decision are you going to make? Are you going to continue to do as Nebuchadnezzar and walk in pride? Or are you going to say, wait a minute, I better learn from this. I don't know about y'all, I've learned a lot of lessons in life like most of you. A lot of them I learned by falling in the ditch and bumping my head and all that kind of stuff. But I've learned some others by watching and reading about others. This is one of those opportunities for you. Pride is dangerous. Dangerous. God wants you to be humble and repentant and walk favor with him. That's what he wants. He humbled Nebuchadnezzar. He can humble us. What decision will you make? Pray with me. Father, we are so grateful for your holy word. We are grateful for its matchless truth. Father, I have no idea of being even being able to Gauge or get any scope of the needs that might be among the people in this room or those watching by way of internet today. But God, you do. You know. And Father, as the psalmist said, Psalm 139, as I pray regularly, God, search me, know me, try me. And if there's any wicked way in me, remove it. The psalmist David there in Psalm 139, Lord, he was inviting the investigative eye of the Holy Spirit. God, we must do the same. God, if there's anything in our heart that will keep us from being who you want us to be, pray you remove it. And God, remind us that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. There's nothing we've done, not the breath in our body or the strength to walk in this building today is anything of our own it is all because of your grace and God thank you for giving me the opportunity to stand before people that I love so much 
and be able to share with them, Father, not my words, but your words. God, that they could walk in favor with you, walk in step with your will, and accomplish your purpose for their life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want you to look this way before we dismiss. Um, just a couple of things. Don't forget uh, the things I told you about earlier, the prayer walk on Saturday. Please don't forget that. If you get any opportunity to do that, please do that. It's, you can be as distant as you want to be. Go with your family, you know, outdoor things, so you'll be fine. But uh, do remember that. Take advantage of those opportunities. Um, and pray much for what's ahead. We talk about this every Sunday, but we don't know what the world's going to look like tomorrow. <laughs> We don't know what new stuff's going to be out there. We don't want you know, new guidelines. We don't know what new technology, whatever. But regardless of what's going on out there, this word is forever settled in heaven. You can live by it. Take, it, take time every day to soak yourself in this word because I tell you, if you only look at the news and you only look at all that stuff, you'll get really worried. You'll get really concerned. And there's peace that comes from the word of God and the spirit of God that are doing it. So I encourage you to spend plenty of time with God's word it'll help you through this time and do remember as we continue forward uh, we'll certainly by Wednesday night we'll do another update Wednesday night it'll be live at 630 on our Facebook page to keep up with our website heftonbaptist.org uh, keep up with those things all of our social media stuff so if anything is updated if there is any change in our schedule if there's a change in the way we have anything at all changes we will update first through social media and video messaging. We will use our calling posts. Let me remind you that if you, you, if you haven't saved that number when it calls you, it will say Oklahoma City. It will be a 405 area code. So once you save it once, it'll leave you a message if you miss it. But we'll use calling posts. We'll use our video uh, capabilities. And we'll use everything we have at our disposal to communicate the very best we can. Pray for people in our community, pray for people around us that have been exposed and even contracted the virus, uh, and pray for God's healing power on them, their families. Pray for those that have been exposed and don't know it. I mean, you don't know. Some of it is so strange. But just pray for uh, folks in all situations. And most of all, pray for opportunities to tell people about Jesus and let the, let the reality of him being in your heart and life be evident. So when you tell them, you won't be guilty of false advertising, all right? All right. So don't forget those things. Offering buckets are on the way out both uh, both directions. Still you can use your online, ty.ly, or, or mail, whatever is easier for you. Anything we can do to help you, please let us know. Our number's there. We check that when we leave here. We check it regularly. And remind you again, if you're not getting the Alabama Baptist, you want to get that. It's no cost to you. Just call, and it'll get you added to the list, all right? Hey, don't forget this. You know I love you. There ain't a thing you can do about it. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Marty, going to sing us out. God bless you, and thank you for being here today.